our scripture this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14, verses 7 through 14. When he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you're invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host, and the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, Give this person your place. Then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you're invited, go and sit down at the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had, invite, who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers and sisters or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they might invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The word of God for the people. Thank you, Steve. Well, once again, grace and peace to you, beloved. From my perspective, you're a bit subdued this morning. <laughs> is, is it the rain? You're feeling the, the cloudy weather? Let's take a deep breath. And remember, we're sharing good news this morning. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts together be pleasing in your sight this morning, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I woke up at 3 a.m. on Tuesday morning, worried about the high winds that were forecast. Tuesday, of course, was Valentine's Day, the date of Morning Star's second annual free wedding event that was scheduled to be held outside at the Plaza de las Cruces downtown. And when I saw that the temperature was no longer expected to reach 60 degrees, I knew that we needed to make some adjustments because I did not want anyone, the couples or the church members who would help, to be miserable or to not show up. So I asked myself in the middle of the night, what can we do? How can we facilitate this gathering in less than ideal weather situation? Gathering is essential to life in a healthy community. And maybe that's why we find so many passages in our holy text about gathering, including many words from Jesus, like the story that Steve just read for us. It's not unusual to find Jesus at the table talking about what happens at the table. The table is the setting of our current worship series as we consider what it means to provide a place for everyone. 
So far, we've talked about building the table on the foundation of the teachings of Jesus, and we've talked about setting the table with a recognition that we all experience hunger, and we all need to be filled. That brings us to the notion of gathering at the table. And in this passage that we read this morning from the Gospel of Luke, we find Jesus at a social gathering in the house of a religious leader. Earlier in the chapter, Jesus has healed a man on the way to the gathering, and he garnered criticism in that moment because it happened to be a Sabbath day. And some people considered healing to be work, and so Jesus was determined to have violated the law by healing the man on the Sabbath. So when Jesus arrives at the table of the religious leader, he's already in a bit of trouble. It was a big deal to be invited to the table at all because dinners in those ancient times were the key scenes of social interaction. To be invited meant you were part of the in crowd, and it also meant that you would have to repay the favor in order to keep your social standing, to keep your reputation intact. So then Jesus, with his already questionable reputation, looks around and he sees that people are taking advantage of the situation to try to boost their own social standing. So he tells a story, a parable. Remember the word parable means to throw alongside. So Jesus tells these stories to throw a scenario alongside the present situation to help us see things from a different perspective, to help us learn something new. The parable is a favorite literary tool of both Jesus and the writer of Luke. In Luke's 24 chapters, Jesus tells 24 parables. 18 of those are unique to Luke alone, including the Good Samaritan and the Prodigal Son, some of our favorites. Today's parable, like several others, is about table etiquette. It's about how to conduct oneself with gratitude and respect at a gathering. What Jesus saw when he looked at the table were social climbers who were grasping at power by presuming the places of honor at the table. Well, honor, of course, is great respect or high esteem, but we must remember in Jesus' day, honor was considered to be a commodity. It was a limited good. For someone to receive honor, another person had to lose honor. So taking honor that had not been properly bestowed upon you could cause major problems for an individual or a family and for the socioeconomic system at large. So here at the table, Jesus witnesses people making plays for power by claiming for themselves honor that belongs to someone else. So he tells the story to try to demonstrate that to his fellow guests that they have the wrong perspective about honor in the first place. He says to his companions at the table, when you arrive at a gathering, don't take the most favorable seat in the house. You'll be embarrassed if the host comes to you and asks you to move. Instead, take the less desirable seat, and then you will be delighted if you are invited to take a better seat, and you'll save everybody embarrassment in the process. The point, of course, is not about the seating arrangement so much as it is about rethinking social norms. Jesus is inviting us to reconsider our understanding 
of honor and power. First, he acknowledges that people who are deemed as successful and commanding of respect will be distinguished from others in a social gathering. He remarks that falling from favor or power in a public setting will bring disgrace. So he advises that his companions avoid such embarrassment altogether by instead assuming a posture of humility. He's not just talking about saving face. I actually think Jesus could not have cared less about that. Jesus is using this social situation to turn our notions of lower and higher upside down. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled, he says in verse 11, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Humility is assuming a modest view of oneself. It's a posture that we can take on our own that allows us to see that we are no better than anyone else, and it allows us to put the needs of others before our own. But to be humbled, to be humbled, is to be held by others in a lower regard, to be seen as less important. To be exalted is to be held by others in high regard. So Jesus is not saying that we should get too caught up in what other people think about us. He's telling us not to get distracted by the social norms by the societal games that we play, and to not let others get distracted by them either, to put our headphones on, as Emory taught us to do this morning. To be exalted, after all, also means to live in a state of extreme happiness. And that is the point that Jesus is trying to make. We have something to say about our own happiness. We're not going to find happiness by elbowing our way to the head of the table. We're going to find happiness by scooting down and making room for other people to gather. The word happiness may be hitting us a little bit strangely in this context because we think of happiness as circumstantial, right? It's fleeting. We're after deep-seated joy beyond our circumstances. And that is true in our modern understanding of the word. But in Jesus' day, the word happy also meant blessed. As in blessed are you who invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, the outcast, because they cannot repay you. And then he includes this really weird part about not inviting friends or family, which often trips us up. We don't like that part. But Jesus is not saying that we should exclude our loved ones. He is saying we should focus our attention on the people who feel unloved. Because our friends and our family... They're going to show up anyway. I was thinking about this reality, the reality of such a healthy community on Tuesday. As I arrived at the plaza in the chilly temperatures, made even more biting by the wind, and I was amazed at how many people from Morningstar just kept showing up all day long, bundled up in their coats and their scarves and their hats and their gloves, ready to officiate and celebrate ceremonies in less than ideal temperatures. They were going to come, regardless of the conditions, ready to get to work just like friends and family do. And our task together then began to figure out how it became, to figure out how to make the gathering more comfortable how do we make this gathering more comfortable for our guests? 
Well, fortunately, Stuart Davenport, our Director of Communication and Technology, who's in the flight deck right now, had made contact with the managers of Little Toad Creek Brewery and Distillery the day before. Yeah. <laughs> Little Toad Creek is across the street on Main Street from the plaza, and the managers there were ready to assist us in offering this event. Truly, what they offered us was the warmest hospitality in every sense of the word. They provided us a sanctuary from the cold, and they allowed us to turn their establishment into a sanctuary for weddings and vow renewals for the people who would come. And they did come, 25 couples, some driving five hours to be here to show their commitment to one another. It was such a wonderful day, and we met so many beautiful people and shared in some really interesting stories, like the couple who had been together for 17 years, and they heard about the weddings on the radio the day before, and they went and they got their marriage license, and then they requested a drive-through wedding because the bride needed assistance with mobility. Or the couple who began dating seven years ago when they were still high school sweethearts, and they chose a private ceremony between just the two of them to begin their married life together. It was such a joy to witness these ceremonies with so many children in attendance, serving as a beautiful reminder of the new life that loving commitment can bring. It was just as lovely to witness the long-lasting commitment of couples who have been together for decades, who came to renew their vows. We were very blessed indeed by this gathering, and that doesn't just include the couples and the members of the church or even the, the staff and the managers of Little Toad Creek. It also includes all of the patrons of the brewery who walked in for a hot meal and a cold drink and stayed, some of them, for hours to celebrate with the couples, couple after couple as they took their vows. Some might say those witnesses were uninvited, but actually we were the ones who invited ourselves into that space. These witnesses were welcomed guests present to celebrate the love and the grace of God at work in such a beautiful way. How very well off we are because of that gathering on Tuesday. So I'm wondering, beloved, what effect does gathering with others have in your own life, in your own faith? We're going to take a few minutes to talk about that this morning. It's okay to talk in church. I invite you to find a person that you can talk to right now to have this conversation. If you don't know that person, that's even better. You can begin with an introduction. If you're worshiping online, you can share your comments in the chat box. I want you to talk about your favorite gatherings, whether that's a big wedding or having dinner with old friends or sharing about your faith in your small group. I'd like you to, to ask the question, answer the question that I'm asking you, which is when have you been blessed to gather with others? I'm going to give you a couple of minutes to do that now, and then we'll come back and we'll share. When have you been blessed to gather with others?
What did you say? Awesome. I'm hesitant to interrupt because you're having such great conversations, which is really good. So let's turn our attention back to the larger conversation now. I'd like to hear from you all. You can just throw it out there. What have you heard from each other? How have you been blessed to gather with others? Say that again. Blessed every day. We gather in some form every day. Yes, we're blessed on Sundays as we gather. Absolutely. Thank you for that. How else have we been blessed to gather? Coffee. Yes, coffee makes us blessed to, to gather together. Audrey, say it again. Yes, in AIN, Narcotics Anonymous. It's a blessing to gather. Yes, Owen. Yes, we gather to help people. Yes. Baptism is a blessing. We gather for baptism. It's a public thing that we do together. Very good, Gio. Is there anything from our friends online, Kathy? Yeah, reunions. After school gathering every day, isn't it? Yeah, Kathy. Yes, it's a gathering in a couple of different ways. We gather to serve and the people gather to receive and we connect. Yeah, great. Pete. Yeah, a gathering with friends and family that can be rejuvenating and restoring for us, really good. Yeah, when we gather for rehearsals for the band or the choir, absolutely. And the bells, yeah, Denise. <laughs> gathering at your aunt's house with a long table. You had to be there at noon or what? The food would run out or you wouldn't have a place? Oh, she would wait. <laughs> yeah, because you didn't want to miss it, right? That's good. Any yes. Zoom gathering to connect with people who are far away. It's a, a blessing. I know technology drives us crazy sometimes, but it's very helpful to be able to connect from afar. Good. These are great examples. Anything else? Yeah, Ulysses, and then and then Linda, go ahead. Yes. Yes. Welcoming, gathering with those who are seeking safety, asylum. Absolutely, that's something we can offer, Linda. 
growth groups, small groups, growing in faith together, sometimes for years, right? Very good. Yeah. Oh. That's the best to, to bring more people to the tables where it feels crowded. Yeah, that's good. Very good. Anything else? I really appreciate your willingness to share. Did you hear the blessing? Did you hear the blessing and what we shared together? These gatherings, they are a gift. They're the kind of gift that comes with no strings attached and requires no repayment, just as Jesus spoke about in this story. And what a blessing that really is for all of us. Beloved, it's in those moments when we approach gathering with humility and with gratitude that we discover that we really are ready to extend the table. And we'll talk more about that next week. Amen? Amen. We're going to move into a time of prayer now. So children, if you have your worship bags with you, you can find your wooden cross. You can hold the cross in your hand. It's a sign of holding God's hand and holding hands with each other as we pray. As we move into a time of prayer, I do want to mention a couple of things. One is that our friend Tim Timmons is still in the ICU. We continue to pray for him as he is is heavily sedated, and we are praying for healing. We pray for the Holy Spirit to be present, of course, with Jan and with their family. And Tim is just one person in our community who is struggling with some grave health concerns. So we continue to pray for support and for healing for those who need it. We also, of course, want to be mindful of the victims of the shooting in El Paso earlier in the week and all of those terrible incidences that are happening throughout our country we pray for an end to that violence and for healing and comfort for those who need it. So I invite you to take a deep breath with me now. And let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the gift of gathering. We thank you for the relationships that you give us and the opportunity we have to meet new people and form new relationships. We thank you for the way that your spirit works through community and through other people. And we pray, we pray for strength in our community. We pray for healing for everyone who needs it. We pray for comfort for those who grieve. And we pray for a day in our country and in our world where love prevails, where crying is no more, where your presence is always felt, and we are always ready to support one another. Thank you for inviting us together in that way. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. <laughs>